checks the pieces currently on the board, then calculates all options. It prunes away moves that lead to losing positions, then takes the promising ones and runs the calculations again. After doing this a few times, and looking five or seven moves out, it arrives at a few powerful plays. The machine's way of thinking is fundamentally unhuman. Humans don't sit around crunching every possible move because our brains can't hold that much information at once. If you go eight moves out in a game of chess, there are more possible games than there are stars in our galaxy. If you total up every game possible, it outnumbers the atoms in the known universe. Ask chess grandmasters, how many moves can you see out? and they'll likely deliver the answer attributed to the Cuban grandmaster José Raúl Capablanca. One. The best one. The fight between computers and humans in chess was, as Kasparov knew, ultimately about speed. Once computers could see all games roughly seven moves out, they would wear humans down. A person might make a mistake. The computer wouldn't. Brute force wins. As he pondered deep blue, Kasparov mused on these different cognitive approaches. It gave him an audacious idea. What would happen if, instead of competing against one another, humans and computers collaborated? What if they played on teams together, one computer and a human facing off against another human and a computer? That way, he theorized, each might benefit from the other's peculiar powers. The computer would bring the lightning-fast, if uncreative, ability to analyze zillions of moves, while the human would bring intuition and insight, the ability to read opponents and psych them out. Together, they would form what chess players later called a centaur, a hybrid beast endowed with the strengths of each. In June 1998, Kasparov played the first public game of human-computer collaborative chess, which he dubbed Advanced Chess, against Veselin Topolov, a top-rated grandmaster. Each used a regular computer with off-the-shelf chess software and databases of hundreds of thousands of chess games, including some the best ever played. They considered what moves the computer recommended— They examined historical databases to see if anyone had ever been in a situation like theirs before. Then they'd use that information to help plan. Each game was limited to 60 minutes, so they didn't have infinite time to consult the machines. They had to work swiftly. Kasparov found the experience as disturbing as it was exciting. Freed from the need to rely exclusively on his memory— He was able to focus more on the creative texture of his play. It was, he realized, like learning to be a race car driver. He had to learn how to drive the computer, as it were, developing a split-second sense of which strategy to enter into the computer for assessment, when to stop an unpromising line of inquiry, and when to accept or ignore the computer's advice. Just as a good Formula One driver really knows his own car— So did we have to learn the way the computer program worked, he later wrote. Topalov, as it turns out, appeared to be an even better Formula One thinker than Kasparov. On purely human terms, Kasparov was a stronger player. A month before, he'd trounced Topalov four to nothing. 
But the centaur play evened the odds. This time, Topalov fought Kasparov to a 3-3 draw. In 2005, there was a freestyle chess tournament in which a team could consist of any number of humans or computers in any combination. Many teams consisted of chess grandmasters who'd won plenty of regular, human-only tournaments, achieving chess scores of 2,500 out of 3,000. But the winning team didn't include any grandmasters at all. It consisted of two young New England men, Stephen Crampton and Zachary Stephen, who were comparative amateurs with chess rankings down around 1,400 to 1,700, and their computers. Why could these relative amateurs beat chess players with far more experience and raw talent? Because Crampton and Stephen were expert at collaborating with computers. They knew when to...